0: You may as well ask my son as asking me. In fact, you would get better answers from my son than you would from me.
1: Is he the marketing director at Heineken or something like that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or Lego in this case. My name's Mike Lander, and you're listening to Marketing Negotiations, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in partnership with The Drum, where we bring you negotiation insights from CMOs, agency leaders, and acclaimed authors. Gareth, thanks ever so much for joining us on the Marketing Negotiations podcast with The Drum. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. Ah, it should be fun, Gareth. Uh, based on our conversation before, it'll be a lot of fun. So oh, I'll, let you, um, I'll let you be the judge of that later. <laughs> and the audience, exactly. Um, <laughs> Will it be tumbleweed? I've no idea. Uh, so, uh, tell us a bit about your background, um, your kind of recent roles, uh, what you do now, uh, and something that you've been involved in in marketing that was amazing. That's your favourite moment. Okay, all right. Well, see if I can uh, see if I can make something up. Um, so, <laughs> I suppose
1: my background uh, was sales originally. Um, I did a number of sales roles at Diageo and Heineken. Was a sales director at Heineken, and at that point, I had some credibility. So I, uh, I got moved across to uh, to marketing, uh, where uh, I looked after the John Smiths uh, brand. They said, uh, they said, "Not even you can mess that up, Gareth." Uh, so uh, <laughs> so I, I, they moved me on to John Smiths brand, and, uh, and I've, I've, I don't think I've ever looked back. I've, I I felt yeah. like a round peg in a round hole. So I did did that role, let that the, the ale team there for a while. I then moved on to Bulmers and did a relaunch of Bulmers, um, moved to Arla. At that point, I uh, was near a home, home for me is in Leeds, did a number of, of lovely roles there, including uh, the marketing director for the UK on Butter, so looking after brands like Lurpak and Anchor and the other master brand, and then, uh, and then went to Weetabix, where I was head of marketing uh, at, at Weetabix, until, until July 2022, so relatively recently, when I jacked it all in at the height of an economic crisis. To go and set up my own business called Big Black Door. What could possibly go wrong, Mike?
0: What could go wrong, Gareth? <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs>
1: it's So sort of clinging on. But no, it's uh, so I, I set up my own business where I I, uh, I work with brands and agencies actually to, to to help them. And with brands, I think it's about simplifying marketing. I think marketing is, there's too many people with a. Maybe we'll touch on this later. I think there's too many people with a vested interest in overcomplicating marketing, and it. it The best marketing is the simplest marketing, and that's what I'll do. I've got, as you see, I've got bags of experience. I've made all the mistakes, and I've got some training behind me as well. So uh, hopefully I can help help some
0: people. And there's a famous, uh, I've forgotten who the quote was now, um, but it was around that, and a friend of mine used to say it years ago, was um, simplicity is on the other side of complexity. And if you don't understand the complexity, then the output will be a complex solution. Yes, unless yeah. you really understand it, and then you
1: can simplify. My, my my job as a as a consultant in in this is to is to filter the complexity. So my job is to take all that complexity. I I, I was I was toying with a, a, an agency positioning about something like bring me complexity. So I don't enjoy it, but there's a moment there where you can bring me the complexity. I get I get that knot and that panic. You don't need to get that knot and panic as a brand owner. I'll deal with that. Then I'll come up. I hopefully will provide you with something simpler than uh, than they gave me. That's the that's the plan.
0: I'm sure it'll go really well. So, um, uh, something in marketing that you're very kind of proud of, or something that happened that was unusual.
1: Yeah, well, I've got a few. I've been lucky enough to to work on a number of things. I I did the um, Peter K advertising with John Smiths. I I bought Race Force with John Smiths. but they're not my they're not my they're not the ones I'm choosing. They're not the ones I'm choosing. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose the the the, the, uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with some. Some great agencies on great projects. The one I'm going to pick is is probably the most recent big thing that happened, which was at Weetabix when right. we did that beans on bix.
0: Uh, oh tweet yes, uh, in
1: 2019, February the 9th, I think it was 2019. Uh, it went crazy. It went absolutely crazy. We we were um, discussed in the House of Commons. We were on TV shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Consistently, we had uh, nations were tweeted. The state of Israel. Tweeted us and said, "Finally, something the whole Middle East can agree on." I mean, what 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 the, what the heck's going on there? But um, that was that was a big a big week for us, and that uh, in it, it would be One point three billion uh, impressions of that tweet. So, just to explain for the audience. Yeah, what was it? So we did a we did a tweet. Um, we had a week of activity, which was um, uh, stranger recipe combinations for Weetabix. Uh And one of them on the Tuesday was a picture of some baked beans on on some Weetabix. And <laughs> the, the tweet was something like, why should bread have all the fun? Or something like that. And it went mad. So 1.3 billion impressions, all those people talking about it. And, the, and that's all interesting, but what were the results? And the reason why I think I've, I've chosen that as something that's particularly interesting is that as part of a broader campaign. So the one, the one tweet didn't shift the needle too much. Just like one airing of it, one area of a TV ad wouldn't do wouldn't do much either. But that strategy, that campaign, saw us grow our spontaneous awareness by 40% in a year. Wow. And it grew our um our penetration by a couple of percentage points. So yeah, you know, it had tangible commercial results, not just something that's going to win some awards. Asterisk, it won loads of awards as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Love that. Brilliant. And it was brilliant. It was a brilliant series yep. of campaigns. So this is obviously about marketing negotiations. So um, can you talk about the value of kind of role separation in marketing negotiations? And by that, I mean, you've got the CMO, so yourself, you've got the marketing procurement people, and you've got the agency. Why do the roles get separated? Why is it valuable? And what's your view? Um the real answer, right, and I, I, is that it depends.
1: I think yeah. it, it depends on on the the size of your team, the caliber of the, the individuals in in your team, the size of the project, the credentials of the agency. So, so you know, this, I'm going to generalise from here on in. But from the client side, I've been, I've, I've, I say the the businesses I've worked in have been big businesses, and I've been lucky that I've had a procurement team riding shotgun with me, or or I'm riding shotgun with them. Again, we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, but the uh, yeah, they've been by my side, making sure that I've got the right terms, the right pricing, got everything, everything sorted out, um, and the right protections. You know, yes, rightly, indeed, you know, They're the experts. The, yeah, They're the experts, and, and so the, the 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 separate roles helps me as a as a marketeer in a number of ways. It helps me, as you say, because I've got someone who does this day in day out, who is hopefully going to get me the best possible price for this this piece of work that I want is yeah and I'll probably I'll probably loop in the the legal team in this as well whether they're part of procurement or or separate making sure I've got the right contracts and protections in place making sure that you know, ownership of IP is in is in the right place etc but it also helps me to you know, rather superficially to retain my position as the good cop right it's um it's yeah, I've got to have an ongoing, or the ongoing relationship with with that agency, and if it's starting off on a on a um a bit of tension, a bit of you know cut and thrust, toing and rowing, then then um, I find sure I truly did. I find that slightly awkward. I've had to get over that pretty quickly uh, in my <laughs> doing what I'm doing now. But so but it's it, honest, Gary.
0: That's exactly you know on the whole, uh, people don't like feeling anxious. They don't like confrontation. There's a reason that that good cop, bad cop is played. Um, And that, in my experience as an ex-buyer in procurement, I'd be working with you going, huh. you know, Gareth, obviously your role um clearly is you're the budget holder, you're the owner of this project, you're next on the block if it goes well yeah. or wrong. Um, But you have to build a relationship with these people that are going to be in this team going forward. Yeah, My role is to make sure that we've got the right commercial terms Um, yes, I want to have an ongoing relationship with the agency because I'm going to be there at the QBRs. I'll be checking in that they're doing what they said they'd do in the way they said they'd do it. So there's a good reason for it.
1: Yep, definitely. I think um, and it should be seen as a positive that the experts get wheeled in at, at the right stage. My field of expertise is marketing stuff, and I've been trained to do that, and your expertise is buying stuff. And you've also been trained to do that, and that's... That's the beauty of working a big team. So, so
0: why is it, Gareth? Why do a lot of agencies think that procurement are the devil? Because uh, um, <laughs> they do. They yeah. They may. They may do so. I had a I had a conversation
1: um, with an agency a while ago. I think I might mention this to you that, um, uh, and it was it was in a, a forum. So you know, there was a consensus that this was that this was correct, and the, the agency said, well, um, procurement made the decision. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, really? and everyone's nodding along oh yes wise words they make wise words I go no no no, <laughs> no they don't they do not make it. <laughs> I make the decision as a marketeer about a marketing yeah. thing I might tell you that procurement <laughs> made a decision and I suspect that's why they're seen as the devil because it That back to what I said about um, some avoiding confrontation that that suits all of our purposes it suits my purpose um, yeah. because that I might want to might want to retain that contact, I might want to avoid that conflict, especially if it's a no. Um especially if it's a no for the chemistry wasn't right or something as intangible as that. That's quite an awkward thing to have to say to somebody, but but um again, I, I would like to think that I would I would like to think that I would have those conversations. I have had some similar conversations to that in the past. Um but it also suits the procurement team to be seen as the decision maker when you're when you're negotiating the price. So everyone's a winner. Uh, well, everyone, client side is a winner in that respect, and I think the the, the challenge for agencies. And I'm big, big absolute. This is this is my from my client's perhaps um, uh, naive perspective. But I'd be matching that up uh, if I was in an agency. I'd be bringing an expert to negotiate. Exactly. I, I, how many agencies would just say to the account director, "Oh yeah, you, you sort the price out"? So. I think recognizing there's this game to play, there's a dance-to-dance or what other metaphor you want to have. There's a
0: dance-to-dance. I think also, Gareth, to that point, I think, you know, I mean, I would say that. I advise agencies around negotiating deals with difficult procurement people. But it's true is that you bring in, if they've got an expert on their side, or bring one then on your side. Yes. And then it's more balanced. And the other thing is, agencies think it's only about price. So let's just have a bit of a... So a lot of these things have said, Gareth, we've got a bit of a script, as in yeah. questions, but we're going to go down some rabbit warrens, one of which is this, which is the negotiation, yes, price is a component. But if you look at what I, as a, as a procurement person, I'm looking for when I'm negotiating, so I'm negotiating around the price. But the price is only linked to a scope, and the scope is there to deliver an output or an outcome for the brand director, um, marketing director. There's also the IP pieces. There's the contract term. There's the termination clauses for convenience or for performance. There's a stack of stuff, payment terms. I mean, I've got eight there. It's never just about price. Yeah. And I think what agencies sometimes that are less experienced with big corporates don't get their head around is, you need to build a negotiation strategy that allows you to trade off different elements of the negotiation as you go through the process, what's your kind of experience of that?
1: Well, I think, um, I think there two two things there. One is is um, thinking ahead and thinking, having your plan for the negotiation. So, what what are you prepared to trade? And actually, you know, if it is have you have you created some wiggle room in in the price? Even even if it is about price, and I agree, it's not about always about well, it's not about price. It's about getting the best price for the work. That, I, that the business can get. And so is there some wiggle room? Are you giving the procurement person a win somehow so they can go back to the business and say, I've saved us 10 grand or whatever it is. One of the things you didn't mention then was the work. You didn't mention anything about the quality of the work. Now I'm not buying the 10,000 nuts and bolts.
0: No, exactly. To a
1: specific technical specification that I can, I know then it's it's like for like. Everyone's got the same nuts and bolts. And it's just a cost per unit. We talk about ideas and and creativity, and you can't, that's all very intangible. So you, my job is to get the best possible work I can get for the business, for the budget available to me. And so I will have said, okay, I've done this, we've done a pitch, let's call it a pitch, right? I've done this pitch, and um, Agency X is the winner, A procurement team. Can you get me the best price you can on that piece of work? I want to work with agency X. And so, interestingly,
0: so in that moment, Gareth, you've told me I'm in procurement. Yeah, you're the marketing director. We've got three that are in the running. Yep. You've told me who you want. Yes. My job now is to go and negotiate with them. Yes. If I can't get the deal that I think is best for the business out of that agency, I'll probably come to you and say. I can get a better commercial deal structure across six negotiation variables with your um, silver medal winner, yes, yes. not the gold. Gareth, what would you like me to do? You're never going to say, pick the silver medal one. Yeah, yeah, What a good idea, Mike. That'd be crackers. Yeah,
1: well, it depends how, depends how far away it was, I suppose. But, um, the, uh, as long as how, it's within close... the realms
0: of kind of like, you know, they're reasonably kind of close. Yeah,
1: I think I've, I've, I've made my decision. I think, well, there's, Two parts that are close. It depends how close gold and silver were in terms of work, yeah, and how close they were in terms of the price. And so maybe, but I've yeah, you know, I've I've had plenty of procure, plenty of conversations with procurement like that where I said that's the best. They're expensive, mate. They'll say they're expensive, but the best deal I can get. I go great, thanks for thanks for doing that. Let's let's crack on.
0: We're going to pay a premium because there, I had a guy on yesterday. I was recording with on this same podcast series, and. I, I kind of thought about this phrase about you know measuring your way to the bottom of the barrel. The danger with procurement is is that when we set KPIs and SLAs, it's all about performance. Bit, but the guy that was talking works for a very creative um, uh, agency that builds uh, brand and kind of uh, performance um, services for clients. And we were talking about that timeless brands. You know they're timeless brands for a reason. Because they're buying amazing creative work. And you don't buy amazing creative work by paying the lowest common denominator you can possibly find. It's and, a balance. And, and um, I was
1: working, did some work with an agency uh, last week about, uh, about how they interact with, with their clients. And we were talking about pitching. And I dug out some old pitch evaluation forms. And there are all you know, scores that we had You know the the the, the percentage of scores. Price isn't on there. Price is not on there. Not on mine. Um, Yeah, and so because we're given a budget, and that's that's the thing. So, what is on there is broadly forty percent of the of the mark is on strategy. There's twenty percent of the mark. Might be slightly more than forty percent. Twenty percent of the mark is on the on the work, the creative. And it's twenty, which is equally weighted to chemistry. So, I'm in a pitch. I'm thinking, are they good thinkers? Are they got is the hard stuff. Um, have they simplified like I talked about at the start? Are they are they are they really understood this. Have they got close enough with the work that? Uh, and you combine that with the chemistry to make me think that by working together with these guys, we can get something that's perfect. Yeah. And at no point
0: is there who's the cheapest. That's just not. It's not even on the form. Very, very, very good point. And I always say to agencies, um, have you got the criteria that they're going to use to judge yeah. the who they're going to pick?
1: Uh, are they ask I'd, I'd certainly give it if somebody asked me. I'd, I was something yeah. to hide here because, because my again, my job is to get the best work for the business. And if the way I operate is to I'm exaggerating slightly here to have a checklist, if that's how we how we assess things then as an agency, you need to know that because it might not be for you. That might be a good time
0: to say, that's not how we roll, mate, and uh, and pull out. Save everyone the time and effort. Exactly right. If as a supplier, an agency, you don't know what the criteria for selection are, then more fool you for not asking. Yeah. If the client won't give it to you, that's a bad warning. It's system. a red flag. It's a red flag. Absolutely. Exactly. So this is great. Um, let's continue with um, the next one. Uh, we talked about price never being the pure deciding factor um so what's your approach to negotiations because you've negotiated lots of deals yes you've got marketing procurement with you but you're negotiating around scope and you're negotiating around how we're going to measure performance and whether we're going to have performance bonuses and all sorts what's your approach and it can be anything gareth i'm not looking for some intellectual framework (laughs) what's your approach (laughs) you're looking an intellectual framework (laughs) um i mean the reality is that my my approach would be
1: to do everything we can to get that piece of work so I would be asking the the procurement team to 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 work on that i there's um uh, a brilliant guy I used to work with uh, a a called tom gill and uh, he would talk about um bonuses and he'd call it the jam tomorrow clause uh, and uh, the, he would ask yeah you know, he would he would offer like a bet like a wager with the agencies about how much of your feed you want to bet on, on performance yeah, yeah yeah I think there are parameters there as well but yeah of course yeah, that yeah. doesn't make quite as good a story but the yeah you know, th- that was a great a great way to get people to um to potentially reduce their free it was a nightmare to budget for to be honest uh, in the in my annual budget it is it's a uh, yeah you know, because kind of it's uncapped.
0: To, yeah. Sometimes I didn't want them to win. Because <laughs> okay. if I was the agency leader, I'd be yeah. like, "We're all up for a performance bonuses. brilliant." Yeah. Um, the yeah. condition is it's it's uncapped.
1: Yeah. So if it was, we uh...
0: knock it out of the park, then it's an uncapped bonus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. What we're happens wrong, then? But yeah. yeah. But it's, um, <laughs> it's, so that I'd be looking for things like that. I'd be looking to, um, if, if that price came in. Yeah, for loving the work, and the price is coming in significantly above. Still, then yeah, I, I would be asking myself some questions about was well, I like clear in the brief about what the what the available budget was. Um, but yeah, you can you can negotiate around sort of scope. You can put some conditions on yourself to to try and bring you yourself. You know, we we will always feedback within two days or something rather than let it drag on for three weeks. But we will we will have consolidated our feedback with all the stakeholders. There will be no stakeholders coming in at the last minute to put a spanner in the works because that that never happens, right? Um, so uh, you know, there's those sort of things you can you can do to to mitigate. But the, the the honest truth is that I would be deferring to the experts. I I try not to to get my hands too dirty in that in that conversation but because we're the, the trained works, negotiators.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. we have a process. Yeah, you know, all procurement people that I know have been trained in negotiation. They have a process, they have templates, they have prep forms. Yep, yep. And we know that 80% of the value, so 80%, is in the prep.
1: And, and I'll be working with the procurement person on that. So they'll, you know, we'll have some pre-meetings before they're, you know, before they're possibly having meetings on their own with the agency. And they'll, I'm just like there to help them, give them every piece of information they want. And one of the questions I suspect would be, are you prepared to walk away from this agency? And that that would change the stance, I suspect, with uh, in those
0: in those meetings. So, in negotiation uh, circles, we call that obviously a BATNA, best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Never, ever, ever negotiate with a counterparty if you don't have a BATNA. Right, right. Because once, as a as a buyer, yeah. if you're the agency leader, Gareth, and I'm negotiating with you, and I've done my research and I've looked at your case studies and your news releases and. The clients you work with, everything else, um, and we've had discussions. And um, if I start to see that your pipeline looks a bit weak, and that we're a premium brand, yeah. and that you specialise in our sector, and we'd be a real trophy, well, that's very dangerous for you, because oh, I now know you've got very limited choices here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And the balance of power shifts.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's but that's where your expertise comes into its uh, its own, where you know. If I asked you to decide which of these three adverts is the best, that's maybe not your field of expertise, but that's, that's why we are all yeah. I'll fix my car engine.
0: We'll all do different things. You may as well ask my son as asking me. In fact, you'll get better answers from my son than you would from me.
1: Is he the marketing director at Heineken
0: or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> or Lego in this case. It yeah. just happens to be, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, another question. Whose budget is it anyway? We kind of touched on it before. But again, just like just dig into a little bit more about. There's this myth that procurement own the money. Well, they don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's my budget. Full stop. It's so, so exactly. as simple as that. I'm, I'm going to make this story slightly less good, less fun than it, it was by, by sanitising it slightly. But there was a situation um, when we were making an ad in one of my previous employers where we had a famous person. The 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 ad was to star someone quite well known, and. That person had turned us down, and we had an alternative. We had someone else lined up. And we were in the pre-production meeting, might, might even be the pre-pre-production meeting, but it was in the production process, and we get to be flipping the, the document to the casting page, and because here's so-and-so, this person we've agreed, and um, we're all going, yes. And they said, yeah, we just need to tell you something. We just need to tell you something. They said, okay, what? They said, your original choice, has found out we've gone with someone else, and has come back to us and said that person would like to work with us. Uh, and we went, oh, okay, this is this is very interesting because that person was clearly our number one choice by a long yeah. way. And uh, we said, uh, well, what's the difference in price? What's the cost? And our preferred candidate was five times the cost of the our fallback. We not a heartbeat went by when myself and the and the brand director. High five, and went. We'll do it. Not a, not a heartbeat, because we knew that was going to m- take it from a, a great ad to a blooming amazing ad. Exactly. And so yeah, that. So if that illustrates it, it's my budget. That's procure. I don't think procurement would have thanked me for that.
0: They, we just said yes yeah, straight away. <laughs> but it's your choice. Yeah, it's your budget. You've got to stand by. Does you know, Did it have the impact that we expected as a campaign? Yeah. Yeah. did that talent. I mean, interesting negotiating with talent, um, for campaigns. I've spoken to quite a lot of CMOs about that and it is, it's a very different dynamic mm. and yeah. it's very, it's intangible in many ways about, have they got the right kind of brand values, personality, association with the brand. It's complex well, uh, finding and negotiating with a talent. Especially, yeah. Um,
1: just try and pluck one out of the air. It's something like Walker's relationship with Gary Lineker. So you get right. to like year fifteen. Is Gary Lineker going, well, it's twenty million pounds a year now. Is because because the, the Brad is that like so in bed with yeah. so is so exactly. synonymous
0: with that that personality. Right. So by the um, way, listeners, on. we don't know that it's twenty million pounds a year. Gareth plucked that number out of the air. I've not even yeah. under- yeah. told what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's the point. Is yeah. that once you get to that and and procurement, we hate that. You know, we hate the idea that once it becomes, well, there is no choice. Yeah. If the other party recognizes that, now we've got a problem. Now we've um, got a real problem, which is why, certainly around talent, if you were talking to me as a buyer, I'd be looking at, okay, well, we're going to start with this with a one campaign agreement. Yeah. Yeah. That goes well. Gareth's going to say to me, we're going to use them again. So, all right. So, second campaign, but I want the option to do two more. At an agreed price. Yeah. Then we'd have a framework agreement, and the framework's got a three-year outlook with a price curve. So I start to as you start to say, "I want more commitment." We're going to lock in. Yeah. I start to say, "Well, that we've got to negotiate the commercial aspect of yeah. that, so that we don't get held hostage." Yeah. Yeah. There. Uh, later they're... on in the process. Yeah. But that's why we work together. Yeah. You know, or we haven't. So for the listeners, me and Gareth haven't worked together. Right. But it's that kind of combination. If I'd be in procurement, you'd be the marketing director. And I'm trying to work out how to de-risk ourselves and get the right deal going forward. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, as a kind of because I'm conscious of your time as well. Um, so what are your kind of top two or three kind of insights about marketing negotiations, negotiating with agencies and talent? Um and kind of yeah, managing the internal stakeholders, etc. What would you be saying to other brand CMOs and also agency leaders about that whole negotiation process? Um,
1: so start with the brand team. I'd be I'd be using my team. I'd be encouraging people to, to use the experts from both sides, actually. But you know, if we're talking about brand teams first, use the experts where where they're available. Maybe hire in experts depending on the size of, of the contract. I would be. I'd say be clear. I think you're, on, on your budget, the the biggest misalignments come when people aren't clear. When there's a misunderstanding, and so if you've got, I'm plucking a number, hundred thousand pounds to spend on this big project. Say you've got hundred thousand pounds to spend on it, because if the agency's coming in at two hundred thousand pounds in their proposal, they they they're not answering the brief. So, if you leave that blank. Leave it because again, it, it, it's potentially quite a controversial thing to put a number in there. People, as a brand team, we get quite uptight about putting a number on in that box. But we always think, no matter what the size of the budget is, we always think, oh, I could, oh it's not very much, is it? So just put it in, put it in. And then people have got a choice. If they don't want to work with it, they don't have to work with it. So just um, get, your, get your expectations, get your and a clear. And to agencies, I'd be. I'd be saying, think ahead, think, um, think about the bringing the experts in at the right time, matching up, matching up, you know, like a football manager matching formations, whatever they do. But you know, just doing something to match up uh, the formations and to be confident. I don't want to give away any secrets here, but if you're an agency and you're in discussions with procurement team and you've already pitched, I'm going to suggest you're pretty close to getting this deal. And uh, you, you 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 perhaps want to think about how you're going to play this. If you're good, if you're cute about this, you would have built something in. In thinking ahead, you've built in your concessions, and uh, the procurement person can go back to back to the, the brand team towers and say, go back to their ivory tower, and he can he can he or she can say, "I've made these savings, um, brand team, aren't I great?" And he says, "Yes, you are. Thanks very much." And everyone's a winner.
0: Exactly. Gareth, it's been a real pleasure and a lot
1: Thank of fun. <laughs> Thanks, i enjoyed it.
0: Where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, I'm, I am would say I'm prolific on LinkedIn. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on there a lot on my website, bigblackdoor.com. You can find me there. Very
0: good. Gareth, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Drum Podcast series on Negotiation Insights with your host, Mike Lander. Please subscribe so that you'll catch the next episodes from our global marketing industry experts.